1: Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast that helps you understand how to increase the value of your business, what your company is worth, and what your exit options are. Host Ryan Tansom and his guests give you all the information you need to get clarity and control over your business and take pride in a valuable company that gives you freedom and choices to
0: exit on your terms. Welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. This is episode 174. Today's episode is one that I'm extremely excited to release and one that I'm really honored that I was able to have this guest on the show. He probably doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to do it anyways. It is the one and only Gino Wickman, who is the creator of the Entrepreneur Operating System, which most people probably know as EOS, which got its real big traction, no pun intended, from the book Traction. And he's an author of many other books like Get a Grip, Rocket Fuel, How to Be a Great Boss, and What the Heck is EOS. And Gino has spent 1,800 full-day sessions with more than 130 companies implementing EOS, so he really understands entrepreneurs. And most recently, he spent his time writing his new book called The Entrepreneurial Leap, which will give you a couple of the highlights that we discuss on the show in a couple seconds. The reason I had Gino on the show to discuss The Entrepreneurial Leap in a podcast that I do about growing and selling businesses, is that I believe the manual that he wrote called "The Entrepreneur Leap" is so crucial to anybody that wants to start a business or buy a business. And he spends a lot of time dissecting the entrepreneur's DNA and personality type, and then building up to figure out what kind of business you should buy and whether it's going to be right for you. And the reason I think it's so important for one of two types of listeners: one, if you're going to buy a business, this is absolutely must uh, must read. Second one is if you own a company right now and you're listening and you're trying to figure out what should I do with my business? Why do I have this? How do you tie that to the ultimate end goal? Go back and read Gino's book because you're going to read it and go, holy cow, I wish I would have read this decades earlier. Because I think it's a fantastic way to dive into the first growth and exit principle which are identifying your drivers. Why did you start your company? Why did you risk everything? Why did you put everything on the line, sacrificing time, money, and everything over the years to build your business? And now as you stare into the future saying, what's next? One of the best places to start is go back and figure out why did you start your business? And are you still in line with your true reasons that you started the business? And are you in a business that's right for you based on the structure that Gino talks about? So, some of the things that you're going to learn in this episode are the six essential entrepreneurial traits that you have to have to truly be an entrepreneur. And this is so eye opening when I was reading it, I was laughing because I know people that own a company don't have all of them, and you can see why there might be some struggles. Or, as if you're listening to this and you're looking at the second generation, and maybe a manager or your family in passing on the business, they have to have these six traits. And then if you're going to be buying a business or starting a business, really reflect on these six traits before you explore any further. One of my favorite parts of the episode and the book is you're going to hear Gino discuss how you should identify what type of company you should buy, whether it's business to business, business to consumer, product or service, what kind of industry, what type of size. And again, whether you're about to make the leap or you own your own company and you're trying to figure out strategically, are you having fun, avoiding burnout? Take this assessment and really reflect in saying, is this the right business for me? How do you go forward to the next stage of the business? And you'll hear the eight disciplines of increasing your odds of success and the nine stages of building a business. Overall, this is one of my favorite episodes I've done because It's so relevant to anybody that's about to make the leap and for anybody that owns a company, look in the mirror, take a self-assessment and say, did you miss a couple steps? And if so, why and what should you do about it? And just like Gino wrote the book in the manner that he wishes he would have had before he took the entrepreneurial leap, we created a boot camp that's two days, which is all the education I wish we would have had before we grew and sold the business. So who is the bootcamp for? It's for people that literally, if you want to take the bootcamp and understand how to grow and exit a company before you buy a company, very relevant. Or you're a business owner, you're saying, okay, I don't know what to do next. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what my options are. I don't know what the next stage is. We take two days based on the five growth and exit principles. And we use two case studies of 10 million in revenue, a million in EBITDA, and two different types of companies and personalities of an owner. And we use them to show the five principles. So you're going to learn the first principle, which is what are how do you identify your core drivers and what means success for you as an entrepreneur? The second principle is the financial targets. And there are three of them. What's your company worth today? Net of taxes and debt. And what is the target income that you want? And then how does your net worth impact your decisions and your financial targets? Again, using two case studies, not your own information. Then we layer that on the different exit options where we spend an hour plus on ESOPs and then also on private equity, third party, family transitions, and how each of these are structured, how they work, and how they impact your financial targets and your core drivers. Then we spend a bunch of time identifying the eight core functions of a business and how to de-risk your company and increase your multiple using the two case studies, and then explaining what it looks like to hire a good team of advisors and consultants that optimizes your plan to get you where you want to go. It's 5,000 bucks. It's two days. It's everything that you need to know on how to grow next to your company. You're going to walk out with clarity and control on how to get freedom and options on the next stage of your business. So without further ado, here is Gina Wick
1: sponsored by Arcona's Growth and Exit Boot Camps. Two days jam-packed with material on the five growth and exit principles and the world of mergers and acquisitions. You'll walk away knowing exactly what steps to take to get your target valuation and your best exit option. Two days at Arcona's Boot Camp will give you the clarity to control the rest of your journey as an entrepreneur. Gino, how are you doing? Great, Ryan. How are you?
0: Doing good. I am so excited to have you on the show. As you and I were just talking, I have had lots of your followers and implementers on the show. Everybody's got great, amazing stories and you have attracted and built one heck of a, a legacy, Gino. You know, and I'm very, very honored to have you on the show. Some people might not have heard of you. And it was actually a shock to me. I, My business partner, Gino, is out of Ohio and we were doing a, um, one of our Growth Next Bootcamps. And no one had heard of EOS. And I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> so it's just to show you the my surprise of people that hadn't heard of this, but you've just recently came out of a with a new book, Entrepreneurial Leap. And so maybe for the listeners that may or may not be familiar with you, maybe kind of give us the quick little uh, cliff note version, and then we can kind of jump into, you know, the, the premise of your new book.
1: Yeah, I would love it. So uh, the premise is this, you know, speaking to what you started with, you know, I spent the last 20 years of my life building EOS and EOS Worldwide to help 10 to 250 person privately held companies really run like Swiss watches. And my whole life for the last 30 years has been entrepreneurship, but it's been focused on companies that are running. And uh, what I decided 10 years ago is I want to put my energy into the front end of the entrepreneurial journey when I get to age 50, uh, which is what I started doing 2 years ago. And This is a project that's all about helping an entrepreneur in the making. And so anyone 16 to 60 years old that thinks they might be an entrepreneur, really helping them understand if entrepreneurship is right for them, if they have what it takes and exactly how to take a leap, that will greatly increase their odds of success and give them a huge jumpstart on becoming entrepreneurs.
0: And I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited to, to dive into the book because it's a fantastic book. And, um, I think I, I also was, uh, no, I'm going back and kind of brushing up on some of the other books in, in Rockefeller, you talked about teaching what we wish we would have known. And yeah. so I, I don't know, maybe kind of give it, give it, give us the background of like, you know, when you said that you wanted to go back to the front end, what were some of the gaps that you, that you saw in order to actually create the book?
1: Yeah, well, the way I describe it. And so that exact quote you're referencing is we teach what we needed the most. And that's a quote by Danielle Kennedy. And you know what that means is I'm basically teaching my 18-year-old self because (laughs) I go back to when I was 18 and I knew I was different from most of my friends and I was a mislabeled derelict and I was insecure and confused and I had no freaking idea what I was going to do because you know, they were all going off to college and following this academic path. And here I am thinking there's no way on earth I am going to spend another day in academia. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, it took me until about age 28 till I really realized what I was. And I just wish I would have had this content then. And so that's what it's all about is teaching my 18-year-old self and anyone out there that really feels like, you know, they've got this entrepreneurial DNA
0: so i uh, let's and I want to peel that apart like what is an entrepreneur when you said you were 28 and you finally figured out what you were, and it's funny because I can, oh man can I relate like when you're not paying everybody like my schooling experience when I was listening to your book is very similar. <laughs> we're like, like, Ryan's really nice, but he talks a lot. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> like I don't belong in this classroom, so when you said you figured out what you were and I think And correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm obviously a younger generation than you, but like entrepreneurship has become more of a fad now than it was probably when you were 28. So how did you figure that out? And what is your definition of an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah. So I'll I'll let the cat out of the bag first in terms of what is an entrepreneur. And so in all of my work in the last three decades, and a whole lot of research leading up to this book and interviews with tons of visionary entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, I've, I've concluded that there are six essential traits that every true entrepreneur has. And to quickly give you those, they are visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. And so if you roll those all up into one big ball, there's a, a four or five page riff I do in the book that just paints this vivid color of all the characteristics of an entrepreneur. And so it's, you know, it's kind of a wild and crazy person. It's a person that has lots of ideas and they're passionate and they're driven and they're hard charging and they're intense and there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad. And so when I say I realized what I was, you know, all of that craziness that I had experienced all my life, I realized that I could channel it into something really amazing and, and that it truly is a thing. And I'm not, you know, I mean, if, if my parents were accountants and they forced me to go to college to become an accountant, I mean, I would have been labeled an <laughs> idiot because that's you know would have been the antithesis of what I'm genetically encoded to do.
0: Well, and and so when you go through when I was like when I was listening to the different traits, and you know I'm like I'm well, okay, I get it, I get it, check, check, check. And but what I find interesting, and I want you to maybe explain, you can't miss one of them, and you did probably the best job, Gino, I've ever heard. Explaining what an entrepreneur is and what they aren't. Because in right now, everybody could be an entrepreneur if they got a freelance gig. So maybe explain why you can't miss one of those and maybe explain what is not an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, that's great. And and as I lead into that, I want to touch on something you said there. And that is, you know, this I this has been my life for 30 years. And you know, and so I'm not making this shit up. And it's <laughs> all from the real world. So this is what I've been surrounded by my whole life. This was what my dad was. This was the family business I took over and. And so it's been in my blood and around me every minute of every day for the last 30 years. So again, I just know it. And so that helps the content flow freely. But it, again, it's from the real world. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, these six essential traits, you have to have all six. And so it's you know always so painful for me when somebody says, well, what if I'm missing one? You know, Can I still do this? Or I think I'm only missing one, but I think I can still take the leap. Unfortunately that's just not the reality you have to have all six <laughs> to be a true entrepreneur you know it doesn't say you can't be a solopreneur you know a freelancer or so it's not saying you can't be self-employed in a one man show but to be a true entrepreneur you know one one of the greatest of all time you got to have all six you just you, you can take any one of those away and it's just not the complete formula and and then, and then just That's say right. that last, so what was the last question you wanted me to answer? So It,
0: was, it was, well, that was one of it. And then I, I think, because like, you know, you, when you look at those, like, you can't do all that and then not take a risk or not be passionate about. Cause like, I still look, like, even with what I've been doing over the last five years, cause I, and you know, to put it into context and it'll and go back to that second question, do you know, but what is not is like, I took over the family business and helped get the, I got the shit kicked out of me for six years, helping turn it around. <laughs> and then Going back and then doing a startup, which is where you don't have cash flow, you literally have to be 10 times more passionate about it because <laughs> you get even the crap kicked out of you even more. Oh, yeah. Like, when you, what I thought was really interesting is because I'm in the process of writing my own book, and people are like, oh, you can interchange entrepreneur and business owner or like second gen. And you were talking, you had some really good criteria of what's not an entrepreneur. And maybe it was like just to kind of pref- uh, you know, set the foundation, like the the person that's got a side hustle or someone that takes over a second gen and just, you know, has the status quo. So maybe explain to yeah. someone that's, does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So that, that prompts and I think the best way to describe it is this. So I, I had this aha moment in a Starbucks debating a professor of entrepreneurship. And, and we had this great debate that led to this clarity. and And so the clarity is this, it's, it's in the book and it's, It's called the entrepreneurial range. And so for your audience, if they can picture in their mind, this arc, if you will, and on the far left end of the arc is what I call self-employed people. And on the far right end of the arc, I call that true entrepreneur. And so, you know, every self-employed person that has their own business is somewhere on that range. Mm -hmm. And if we go to the far left end of the range... You know, It's still admirable and respectable what these people are doing, but these are the one-man shows, the solopreneurs, the freelancers, the person that buys one franchise, the person that has a lifestyle business. And then all the way to the right end of the spectrum are the greatest entrepreneurs of all time. Walt Disney, Henry Ford, Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey. And so you can think of all the greatest. So what this content is all about, and this book is all about, Are the people on the right end of that range? And so I'm not Mm -hmm. knocking the left end of the range, but when I talk about these six essential traits, those are the kind of people that we're talking about that literally go out and create and build something in the world and build organizations with, with many people. And that's 10, you know, 10 to, you know, 10 million. Mm -hmm. So, but build, truly build organizations and create things in the world.
0: Well, and so as we as we continue down like kind of the, the sequence of the book and the and the whole concept behind this is I when you when you've identified an entrepreneur, you say, Okay, where am I in that range? What I love about the book, and I wish I would have done it after in my second iteration of it as an entrepreneur is intentionality. And that's a lot about like what we preach in our in our practice too. is like why are you doing this? And you explain, you know, you say that okay, you maybe go, go into like the success rates of entrepreneurship and why that this book and why you're explaining What are some of the questions that people should be asking that are helping them identify what they should be doing? Because, in maybe some background behind that, Gina, I see with the hundreds of entrepreneurs that I work with, a lot of it, it actually, I'll go back is, you know, Gina, when I started this podcast, I I would go, tell me how, you know, tell me when you decided to become an entrepreneur. You know what most people said? Um, I didn't choose to, I accidentally became one. (laughs) So there was like this weird, like, they wish they probably would have had this book to actually have some intentionality of what they were doing and why. So maybe go back and say, okay, what are some of the questions
1: and why are there failure rates and how do you identify what would be good for you? You bet. And what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna uh, give your listener kind of a huge context, the context of the content and the mission and the book. And that is, this book is broken into three parts. Part one is confirm, part two is glimpse, part three is path. The confirm part one is all about first and foremost, confirming that you even are and that you have these six essential traits and that you are a true entrepreneur and that we've just covered. And so now what you're going into are these next two parts. And I want to pull both of them together to answer your question, because part two is all about glimpse. And that's then taking this person that is a true entrepreneur in the making and showing them a glimpse of all of their options and what life looks like. And it truly lights a true entrepreneur up and so there's countless real world stories of people who are where they were right now and how they got to where they got to then i go into all of the options so the industries the types of businesses the size of businesses b2b b2c product business service business high end low volume low price high volume and so w- with that there are literally 10,000 options for that entrepreneur in the making sitting there listening right now mm-hmm. then i show them a day in the life both good and bad, and the eight mistakes to avoid. So that piece I want to come back to in just a second, and then this will answer your question. Because now as we go to the third part of the book, I then get into the path for how to make it a reality, reduce the amount of mistakes you're going to make, and increase your odds, which are things like, should you go to college or not, if you're at that age to decide, the importance of passion, the importance of having a mentor, tenure thinking, and then eight critical mistakes, I'm sorry, eight disciplines, and then nine stages. And all that said, to your point about intention, because this is a mouthful, if you understand that kind of flow of the content, it's truly this psychological journey of soul searching for this individual to say, okay, I am one, holy cow, look at all of these options. And I have this really cool tool on the website called My Biz Match, where they click, 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 and out gives them an answer in terms of the perfect industry business size type for them to, to kind of move toward and start to tinker with. So you talk about intention, that starts to clarify that intention. And then as we get into that those path elements, there's a tool called My Vision Clarifier, which gets them to really think about what the passion is, discover what the passion is, because passion is so vital, why they're doing <laughs> this, what the product is who their customer is, what the pricing model is, what the 10-year goal is. And so, again, it's a mouthful that I'm giving you, and we can drill down on any of that. But that's all crystallizing intention for that entrepreneur so that when they take their leap, absolutely, they are in their sweet spot. They're doing what they're passionate about. So they can endure the ass kicking they're going to take that you so well described. <laughs> well, and,
0: and so and we're going to peel a couple of those uh, parts back and I appreciate the context because I, I think once you see the picture and the flow, then we can dive into this. And I, and why I was excited to to talk about this book and the show is because regardless of whether you have a company right now, because like I was telling you before we got on the recording, like I, I get a lot of people that call me and say, I, sh- I want to buy a business. And then there's a lot of people that are listening that are in the middle of their journey but I think, Gino, and I don't know what your experience is, but a lot of people didn't go into that intentionally because they found a, you know, a random problem that needed to be solved. One of their customers was able to like, fund their startup because they were able to go off on their own. But maybe going into the different types of businesses, services, and all that stuff, and how that might impact what you like. And I'll, I'll lay some groundwork, Gino, because I personally went through this when I say that it was not intentional. Is so, my dad started it in the copier business, right? So, selling boxes and servicing them, transaction based, you know, not very solution based. And then when I got it there, the whole industry was moving to managed services. So, we realized over in the whole industry, did through absolutely horrible pain that those are way different. <laughs> and like how you're working with your customers, your type of customers, type of profitability, type of intimacy, and like, it just happened over time as the industry evolved, but I wish we would have had a lens to say, what business should we not be in or not be in? And Rob Dubay, who who's been on the show, he stuck to manage print. And then there's other people that are in our industry that just stuck to copiers or just stuck to IT. So I mean, without, you don't have to use those examples, but like, can you explain how the different kind of jigsaw puzzle pieces you're talking about might impact different personality types?
1: Yeah, I would love to. So this topic just alone, we could spend an hour on. And so I'll I'll give you the five minute version because it, it, number one, I don't know that there's anyone even doing what I'm about to share and what I put in this book. And so this was another light bulb moment that I'm so excited about. But the, the point is it's, You, as the entrepreneur in the making out there, choosing the right business for you and knowing what you're built for because we're all built for something different. And so I'm going to use me as an example, but shoot forward forward in time to today. I am... The business for me is training and education and service-based and B2B selling. That's what I am built for, equipped for, and I excel at doing put me in the copy machine business and I'd be out of business in three months flat because I have no passion for it. I have utter disdain for inventory. And so I, so I have to <laughs> knowing what I'm built for. And so now let's go back to the template. So okay. when I talk about this, my biz match on the website, it's free e-leap.com. You can go there. You just literally click away at everything I'm about to say. And out pops this perfect answer for you. But there are literally hundreds of industries to choose from. And so start there, all of a sudden, this entrepreneur that wants to take a leap or buy a business, first, you got to choose the industry that you're drawn to. From there, you got to just pick the type of company that you're drawn to. And then when we get into type of company, then we start to talk about, are you more of a product person or a service person, as I alluded to just a minute? So do you Mm -hmm. love You know, products, either making products, distributing products, having inventory, touching and feeling that stuff. I have clients that love products and they love being in the product business. As I already disclosed, I have utter disdain for it. And then there's the service (laughs) business where you love selling the intangible, you love selling services. And then we go a level deeper. Are you more of a B2B person or a B2C person? B2B is business to business where you're typically selling to businesses. You have a uh, a smaller number of clients, you typically call those clients, and they're a little more intimate relationships. B to C is typically lots of customers that you have out there, less intimate relationships. This isn't a steadfast rule, but do you love selling to customers or do you love selling to businesses? And again, mm-hmm. for me, I'm just masterful at selling to businesses. I'm, I'm masterful at selling to the business owner that owns that business. Again, it's what I'm built for. Then we go a level deeper. How big do you want the business to be? There are entrepreneurs that are built for a 1 million dollar business or a 1 billion dollar business or something in between. Not every entrepreneur is capable of building a 50 million, 100 million, billion $1 dollar company. And there's no shame in having a 5 million right, right. company that throws off a $1 million dollar profit. And then we go a level deeper, are you a premium, high-priced, high-value low volume type of a business? Or are you low cost, high volume? You're the cheapest price in town, high volume, and that's what you're competing on. All of it's great. All of it works, but you have to pick and know. And all of a sudden you kind of click, 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 go through all that in your mind or with that tool, out pops this perfect answer that's going to help draw you toward the business you're built for and if you put your energy into a business you're built for, you just increased your odds of success, like I described, if I want passion
0: it. and passion, right? I mean, and passion, because you have to be passionate about it.
1: Absolutely. It's all passion. You know, as soon as you go, Ooh, that's really intriguing to me. All of a sudden there's a little glimmer of passion. And each time you <laughs> say, Ooh, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. You just start getting clearer and clearer and clearer and passion. You know, as you say that, that's a whole chapter. That's a whole topic. That's a whole <laughs> other conversation. But that's I hope that answers your question it does about...
0: and and I think it's I, like you said, I have never really seen it articulated that way, do you know, and like I think about for people that are about to start that's the best exercise and that will save like you said you want to increase this, the odds of success for entrepreneurs. the passion and the alignment for what you do, I think will take care of a lot of that and like the, there are also the challenges if if there's people that own a business doing this too because do you know i I would talk to people where what happens, and I wonder if there's a, a correlation between that biz match and what I'm about to say is that a lot, I, I interviewed people where they wake up and then they the analogy was this, and I woke up one day and I felt like I had a noose around my neck because the passion was gone. And yeah. then they did crazy things to get out of the business. And I wonder if there's a correlation to like, I mean, I hated copiers, you know, so much. So <laughs> then that's why I wanted to build out the managed IT because I wanted to be valuable to people, not just giving them a box. So it was like I was probably fighting gravity, and I don't know if there's challenges in the you know first and second generation with having different biz matches, but like even identifying that and having that be part of their core strategy is probably something that a lot of people haven't intentionally done, even if they have a company.
1: Yeah, so you are a hundred percent right, and that's the point I'm hoping comes through. And what you prompted for me is a thought. You know, so when I took over my family business and turned that business around, very similar to your story. I had to spin off a couple business <laughs> units, and, and and so what clicked for me there is, I the first thing I spun off was distribution, and and it's because I had utter disdain <laughs> for staring at all that inventory, uh, all that money sitting there, and, and so with that we outsourced that. It was masterful. It helped the turn around. It was great, but that I did that because again, that's what I'm built for. Another. Person running that business may have kept it because they love that kind of stuff, and so this is where you're going to make decisions as an entrepreneur and an individual that fit with what you're built for.
0: So when you when you think about okay, if you if you kind of if we're following the flow here, and you've you you're an entrepreneur, you're identifying what is the right business, the right business fit, et cetera, What are some of the things that you, you know you talk about in your book? The the mistakes that people make, and like as entrepreneurs it you're trying to help people avoid. And I think you said there are eight of them. So maybe you want to kind of run through them. And then I don't know if you want to pull out a couple and give some examples.
1: Yeah. And so I'll run through them and, and you tell me if one or two jump out for you, because you know your audience better than I know your audience. But leading into this, what I do in this chapter is I share a day in the life of an entrepreneur. And so what I want your audience to see is what it looks like when it's great i call it the dream scenario and what it looks like when it's horrible i call the nightmare scenario <laughs> and truth be told most entrepreneurs are living the nightmare scenario you know that's how i was able to build what i build with built with eos worldwide helping entrepreneurs get out of their nightmare scenario and through all of that experience for the last 30 years i realized there's about 8 common mistakes that every one of these entrepreneurs make during their startup phase That we're basically repairing and correcting and solving much later on when you don't have to make this mistake. And so the eight mistakes are, and so picture this as the listener, you're about to start a business, please. Here we go. Uh, The mistakes are not having a vision, hiring the wrong person, not spending time with your people, not knowing who your customer is, not charging enough, not staying true to your core, not knowing your numbers and not crystallizing roles and responsibilities. And any of those would be a blast to talk about, but you tell me one or two that jumps out for you.
0: I'd say let's, let's start. I mean, I don't know if you actually had those in order, but of importance or anything, but like the vision I think is one thing that is near and dear to my heart, Gino, you know, because I actually have this point in my uh, my presentation, my keynote that I give where I say, Google Maps is one of the most powerful tools on the planet, but what happens if you don't plug in point B? Nothing yeah. <laughs> And then I say, if you plug in point B, for me in, what, in the, the kind of the, the philosophy I preach is, it's not just a revenue target, so it might be 10 to fifteen million dollars it might be part of it, but like what is the vision and what is your definition of a vision, and what like what is it that people do the right way in order to crystallize what that is?
1: yeah, you bet great so uh, so with that, you know I always like to give a little bit of a uh, little bit of context. So this vision piece, this vision conversation, um, there are eight aspects to a vision, in my opinion. And, and so with that, every tool I describe, it can be downloaded on the website. It's free. Again, e-leap.com. So it's a tool called My Vision Clarifier. And what it's forcing you know, your listener to do is really hunker down and think about these, as- these eight aspects of their vision and so what happens is the entrepreneur takes their leap and they have it in their head, a relatively good idea, but they're going forward, building this business, adding people, and they're just not getting it out of their head on paper so that all their people know what the vision is. <laughs> Where so are we going? So to think about what is the passion here? Who is the customer here? What is our pricing model? Who are we serving? And so it, it really, and then it starts to boil it down to the nitty gritty. What mm-hmm. is the 10 year goal? And and then boiling it down to what needs to get done in the next ninety days, and so it's really forcing it out of their head on paper, so everyone can see it, so that everyone's rowing in the same direction.
0: So, Gina, you know, from the people that haven't started a business or the people that have, you know, when you think about, I, you know, because because of so many people that are on the show that say I was I became, I accidentally became an entrepreneur, you know, how do you bridge that gap? Like, if someone that intentionally has gone through the, you know, like something like your book versus like what what I see to be a common trend of people that just accidentally became so they're trying to build the vision while they've already left I mean how like what's the what's the disconnect there
1: well it's it's not a disconnect it's it's those six essential traits and so when you start yeah. to tie together everything I'm sharing with you here and by the way I, I forgot to also mention your listeners can go take the entrepreneur in the making assessment so they can go online take this assessment for free and see how they score in regards to these six essential traits but the point is, it all starts with a person with those six essential traits. Yeah. And so if you have them, you're just drawn to, you know, wanting to make money, having ideas, connecting dots in the world. And so, you know, typically growing up, you sold candy, you shoveled snow, you, you sold t-shirts, you had money making ideas your whole life since you were 10 years old. And so that being, that entity, that ball of energy that has those six essential traits, they're going to find themselves doing something. What I'm trying to help them do is I'm just trying to help them now harness that energy into a more effective way of building something because that's what I love. It's every time a successful entrepreneur reads this book, they go, holy crap, I wish I would have had this 20 years ago, (laughs) this 30 years ago, because that's what they're saying. They just went with their natural DNA and ended up with a business. Now it can be a little more purposeful heading it off at the pass with this... Powerful tool. This powerful content to help these new entrepreneurs now learn from you know the the million of us that came before them. So I don't know if that answers the no, question. it does. It
0: does, and I think that goes into then. Okay, it, it really does. I think that you, you, the point is, is like you're going to end up doing that anyways. So you might as well have a little bit of you know, planning in from and putting all this stuff on the paper.
1: Exactly so that, <laughs> right. Yeah, because with those six essential traits, you're unemployable. So you're going to go do something anyway. You might as well, write Do something that you're built.
0: Oh God, you know, I I, I, I actually call it professionally unemployable. They're like, what do you do? I'm like, so I I, I tell the story We're like, after we sold our business, they put me in a cube in the middle of the bullpen next to an intern. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> like, how is this going to work? And then it's just like, it literally was 60 days. But so I digress. But um, going back to your point, you know, when the people that have, you know, people are such a huge part of all of this, regardless of the size of the company, whether you've started or haven't started, you know, I know you've got, this ties a little bit into EOS and how you got your people analyzing in the accountability chart, but like when you're starting up and you're trying to build this foundation and as a company evolves, you know, I don't know if you, you know, uh, if you can maybe can explain the Peter principle, but I, it's so hard to find the right people, the right spots in different stages. And how, how do you, you know what what's your thoughts and maybe can kind of expand on the people part
1: yeah and so the people part what i'm speaking to with this book because now all of a sudden we're going to bring eos into this conversation because the whole mission with entrepreneurial leap is to take that person who thinks they might be an entrepreneur or believes that they are take them to the point of leap take them to the point mm-hmm. of startup the day they generate dollar 1 once they generate dollar 1 then they need a EOS. Once they start to bring on employees, they need EOS. And so what I'm specifically speaking to about hiring the wrong people is during startup, what an entrepreneur typically does is all of a sudden they've sold a few things, they're getting busy, they're at capacity, and they have to throw a person at this problem. And mm-hmm. what they do is they grab the closest person they can find, which is typically... Mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, cousin, whatever it is, <laughs> and throw them at the problem. And they throw them at the problem without deciding, is this the right person for this organization? And so I get them thinking about what are their core values so that they're culturally bringing in the right person and certainly skill set. But so it's just forcing some pre thought. Because our clients with EOS that come to us, you know, when they have 10 to 250 employees, all of a sudden they kept throwing people at problems. And now, one, two, three, four, five years later, they're literally getting rid of 20 to 40% of their people because they all don't fit. They just were kept throwing people at problems. And so it's heading it off at the pass. Mm-hmm. And then again, for the very specific hiring, firing, reviewing, rewarding, recognizing, Around core values and GWC and the people analyzer, that's all EOS stuff. Yep. When that entrepreneur starts to really build and grow an amazing business,
0: you no, know, and I've gone through literally in this business, biz- <laughs> in my current business, the, the the people thing is you're, is you're trying to find different people to to slot in there, and it's it's hard. I mean, it's you know, and I don't know if it's here or later on in the book when you're talking about partners, and maybe that's you know when you're talking about the visionary integrator, and so someone that is. I don't know if that's the right spot for this, but like, I think that's an important decision to be made, right? Is it, are you sure you go by yourself? Do you need different people sit next to you? And I don't know if you want to kind of expand on that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and that's why I wanted to give your listener the context first, because you're actually now dipping into some path stuff. And, and maybe we mm-hmm. should start yeah, going the board path. But in PATH, what I share are the nine stages of building your company. And so there is no perfect process. There is no perfect system for starting up and building your business. And anybody that tells you there is, they're trying to sell you something. And so these (laughs) nine stages, I try to put them as best I can in a linear fashion, but it's not linear. And so one of those nine stages is for you as the entrepreneur to decide when you need to bring an integrator in. And so there's a book that Mark Winters and I wrote called Rocket Fuel. And it describes the phenomenon of how every visionary entrepreneur needs to be counterbalanced with an integrator. And the integrator runs the day-to-day to free that visionary entrepreneur up to grow the business to the next level. And so somewhere on the journey... Some entrepreneurs are savvy enough to start their business with their integrator in place because they know this dynamic and they want to get a huge jump start on that dynamic and sometimes they start as partners sometimes that entrepreneur just hires that person pretty sophisticated when they do that or somewhere between 0 revenue to 100 million in revenue that visionary entrepreneur is going to need an integrator and so it's just this awareness that says head it off at the past as soon as you reach capacity or running the day to day is exhausting you. That's your trigger to go out and get your integrator. And I have clients that have done it from zero to literally a hundred million, and it's all based on when that entrepreneur is ready to pull that trigger.
0: So, in, in yeah, the, the the integrate drive. I'm a visionary too, so I need I can't tie my shoes without some help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, if you you know, kind of going into this path section, you maybe give it give a little bit more background on the path, and then. You know, I, I think it, you know, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole, but I love how you address college because I'm very passionate about um, education, you know, and I've I i I've realized because I was, I was an okay student, but like I have got a thirst for knowledge sense. And I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs where if they have the big picture, they can learn this stuff. So, you know, between college and then, you know, your, your passion and like, and how that all ties together, maybe I, I just, I think it's very intriguing that you're addressing this.
1: Yeah. And let me. So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to touch on again each part of path really quick. I'm going to give you just 15 seconds or less on each one. And then I'll hit your college question because I'm also curious what in this you feel is best for your listener to hear more about. And so, in this whole path part of the book, first thing which we're about to talk about is college or not. It's just a choice. And we'll, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. From there, the power of passion. And this chapter is all about how to discover your passion, why passion is so vital. You will not succeed without passion long-term. From there, we then go into mentoring and how to find a mentor and the power of having a mentor and how that will increase your odds of success. From there, I then go, the next chapter is all about taking action, but being patient and the power of 10-year thinking, the the power Mm -hmm. behind 10-year thinking, the science behind it and what it does for you. And then from there, we get into those eight disciplines I talked about. Uh, for increasing their odds, and then those nine stages that we quickly touched on, so to your question, I think the God, college one's really important because I
0: think it's yeah, so interesting in today's world too yeah,
1: and it's near and dear to my heart, and so it's so it's called college or not because it truly is a choice, and obviously who we 're talking to here is anyone at the age where they have to decide you know college or not, and so typically if you've got a thirty five year old listening it's probably not even a question for them. So,
0: Gina, sorry to interrupt you. Don't you think it's also kind of important for maybe an entrepreneur that has a potential second gen? That's, I mean, that someone that's saying, okay, is my kid an entrepreneur and is uh, this the
1: right approach? Of course, yeah. So please, you know, and again, with your audience, I'm assuming we're talking to an entrepreneur in the making, but very much so this content, this book is for a parent of an entrepreneur in the making to help them. It's also for mentors and organizations that Mm -hmm. teach, Help entrepreneurs so absolutely yes and so with that i'll, I'll give you a couple of statistics you know so first of all the small business statistics are that forty four percent of small business owners have a college degree okay which means fifty six percent do not have a college degree so that's a really important statistic the next one is you know as I went into this i really thought I was going to be writing a bit of an anti-college book because what I did for the first 20 years is I asked one of my clients that was a college graduate MBA. I said, do you use anything from your degree as an entrepreneur? And the answer in every case was no. So you know how does that not make me biased? I did not go to college. I was smart enough to know for myself that it was not for me. But I really thought hearing that answer, why would an entrepreneur go to college? But then what I started doing about 10 or 15 years ago is asking a follow-up question. And that was, if you knew everything you knew now, would you go back to college? And they almost always said yes. So that made me say, holy crap, why? Yeah, interesting. And and, and the answers were about, it had nothing to do with the education. It had nothing to do with the content. It was number one about relationships. And so mm-hmm. it, the relationships they formed and the bonds and their the, the peers and the relationships they have Later in life that have served them, number two, they talked about how it was a great testing ground, improving ground for them to sell stuff to fellow students and practice business ideas and things like that. So not at all what college was intended for, but that's the reason. And so the point is, and then what I do is I give a list of what successful entrepreneurs recommend classes you should take if you are going to go to college. So the point is it's a choice you must make you're you're becoming successful as an entrepreneur is not going to be dependent on whether you went to college or not. So now you just make a decision is it is it smart for you to go? And I think half the people will choose yes and half will choose no and there's no bad answer. And when in doubt, you should probably go to college because we live in a society it's shifting now finally, but yeah, if you don't have yeah. a degree, man. You get that look. I've had I've gotten that look for 32 straight years. And it's painful, but that's okay. I pushed through it. I didn't let it stop me. But anyway, it's a choice you have to make. And, uh, and that's my story and I'm sticking to it.
0: Well, and I think, you know, there's a constant theme here, Gino, is it's intentionality, right? Like if you look up and you just do stuff instead of having people tell you what to do, and then you can, you can just assess whether it makes sense for you or not. And that, I think that leads into the next uh, concept that I love in your past section, which is the 10-year thinking. And what's interesting to me is when I interviewed John Warlow, he was my third interview on the show three and a half years ago, and it was literally called Ten Year Th- Chunks." <laughs> so like uh-huh. it's interesting that you guys both have some common uh, common thinking behind it, but well, like why ten years and then what what what,
1: you know, what why ten years, and then what is it that people should be thinking about? yeah, that's great, and, and you know and I want to back up there's one more thing I really want to say about this whole college or're not in this education point because you just touched on it about ten minutes ago is you know, when I look at the last 30 years, I have spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on educating myself. So the point I'm making here is I learned how to get educated my way. Right. I, I don't educate well in academia. <laughs> um, and so my point is for that listener is you, if you don't go to college, you still have to go get educated you right. So, you don't get let off the hook. You've got to be a fanatic about learning. So, I, well, I,
0: and it's, it's so interesting, you know, just back on that point. Like, so I listened to a book a week on Audible. I was, and like, when I had discovered Audible a handful of years ago, I was like, huh, I actually retain most of this instead of like a black and white textbook that someone says, read this. And I'm like, why? Like, I just, so I think it's just in, in today's world, you can literally learn whatever you want between podcasts and videos and and for free for the most part.
1: Absolutely. And I give a laundry list of ways to learn in one of the later chapters in the book because I call it a lifetime of learning. And so, totally. yes, there's so many ways to learn out there now. You just have to pick your way. And again, there's a there's a laundry list of them. And they're also listed on the website as well for free. So, so how do you, for, Yeah, go ahead. So to your question about 10-year thinking. Um, and so this is... I learned this when I was 35 years old. And the point I'm trying to make here is... If you are someone with these six essential traits, unfortunately, you are genetically encoded to be incredibly impatient and want everything now, okay? And so that's what I did until I was 35. What I learned is as soon as I started thinking in 10-year timeframes, 10-year goals, time literally slowed down for me. I actually accomplished more. I actually got there faster, And so when you have that urgency and you're wanting everything to happen now, 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 within the next 12 months, boom, 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 you're just trying to do too much. Your thinking is short-sighted. You're band-aid fixing a lot of stuff. When you look out and you plan in 10-year timeframes, you just tend to think better, less stress, less pressure, better decisions. And and as I said, time literally slows down. And the reality is you can accomplish just about anything in 10 years, worst case 20 years. And then the last little point is there's a great business axiom that says all overnight successes take 20 years. And so the point there is you just, there's not much you can build in less than 10 years. And so the you know that it, it pains me when there's these articles written about somebody who built a billion dollar company in two years. It it, it fucks up the thing uh, the totally. Oh, uh, and so, and, and
0: it gives anxiety to everybody that's just in the grind. I mean, it's just like you just like you because a lot of entrepreneurs probably. I mean, I do like and every uh, people I know do compare yourselves to other people, and then the, I think you mentioned in your book you're just like you know, about or about your clients that you've had where it's all shitload of work. And I and like I like it just I talked to this guy at uh, I presented to EO last week. And he goes, Yep, another 20-year overnight success. And <laughs> it's just there is no silver bullet
1: to it. Exactly. And then here's the beauty, you know. So let's put <laughs> one of your listeners listening right now is 18. I mean, this to me this is comical because that 18-year-old, if they just set a 10-year goal by 28, they're gonna be 28, 28, and they will have achieved a 10-year goal with literally at least 72 years left to live, okay? Because they're living to, any 18-year-old is living past 100. So you got (laughs) 72 years left. What is it? What on earth is it you want by 21 knowing that you've got 80 great years left? And so just think about what you can accomplish. And it's about enjoying that journey. Just enjoy that ride and achieve that 10-year goal and then set another and another. And you've got 70 opportunities. And now let's go to the 50-year-old listening that realizes they're an entrepreneur they're going to achieve something by 60 and then they've got it probably 20 good years left if not 40 more years and so they've got enough time to reset at least two more 10-year goals so anyway for what that's worth it's just a, it's a way of enjoying the ride slowing down less stress and accomplishing a hell of a lot more that's the irony well and are,
0: do you have any advice of what should comprise of that 10-year goal cuz i going back to like it maybe should my my opinion shouldn't necessarily just be profits or, or top line revenue i mean like what other things would be you know variables that you would consider
1: yeah no, so what i would urge i mean it, it can be revenue it can be profit and i see a lot part of it. those but to me you know i'll, I'll give a real life example which is which is mine currently right now is i want to impact 1 million entrepreneurs in the making in the next 10 years so that's the goal and that's what's driving me every day and i'm being very methodical about doing things every day that move me closer to that The previous goal in building EOS Worldwide was 10,000 companies running on EOS. And so there are two examples. So for me, it's never been about revenue. The money always follows. And there's Mm -hmm. plenty of money if you do it well and right and just follow everything I prescribe in this book. With that said, it's I would urge that it be about the impact you want to make. Yep. But it's but it's okay. I mean, if at the end of the day that person is motivated about building a hundred billion dollar company, amen and hallelujah. That's what motivates them. So it does not have to be revenue. Does not have to be profit. And uh, and most of the time, it's not.
0: I agree with you. And I also like. I think it's you know if there's any feedback or not feedback, but any any insights for the listeners as I. I, uh, I mean, I interviewed Norm Brodsky. His whole goal is 100 million dollars. 100 million dollars. He had 3,000 employees. He wasn't making anything. The fax machines went, came around, and he had to. He lost everything. So it's, it's an intentional goal that is well rounded. I think you definitely need revenue and profits, but it it all is it all is intertwined. You can't look at one with a, within a vacuum. Otherwise, you're going to miss some significant, <laughs> or so feel some significant pain, which kind of goes yeah.
1: into. Yeah, what I would urge and ask is, you know, go to the root of your passion. And so, what is right. the real passion? And make the ten-year target something around that impact, that passion, that dent you want to put in the universe. And I think that's going to really energize that that ten-year goal. Yeah, that's super good advice. Yeah, any any ideas of like, I don't know if you had if you mentioned you had a work or a
0: worksheet on like how to identify your passion.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's a whole chapter on it. And uh, you know, the one exercise I would suggest here, which was one that had a big impact on my life. So I give, again, it's a whole chapter on... I've sent them to a couple of websites, exercises they can do, tools they can uh, take. But this one is... It's a 30-minute exercise. They can do it sitting in a coffee shop, a library, but it's got to be a quiet place where they're able to think with no distractions totally undivided, quiet time for 30 minutes. And you answer three questions. And so the first question you answer is, what are my three greatest successes? And then obviously you answer that. Number two, you answer, what are my three greatest failures? And please be very honest with yourself there. And then question three, you answer, what has life prepared me for? And out of that, you're going to get some real clarity around your genetic encoding, what you're passionate about, what you're built for, what, and so that was a great exercise. That was really I like that impactful. a lot. I like that a lot.
0: Um. So then, you know, kind of as we're trailing to the end here, you know, you got eight disciplines for increasing your odds, and you know, as you mentioned in the book, as things iterate, you did it with EOS, and I, I, I I've gone through a couple of these in my business, and it's been really painful. Is like your business model and how you're changing it. And like, so what are the different disciplines of, you know, what can someone do to make sure that they're actually going to succeed?
1: Well, so I'll do the same thing I did with the mistakes. I'll, I'll read the eight disciplines and then you tell me which one you want to drill down on. And so they are number one, clarify your vision. Number two, decide if you are a partner person. Number three, know that the bigger the problem you solve in the world, the more successful you will be. Number four, get feedback from customers and clients early and often. Number five, know that your first plan will not be your final plan. Number six, work hard, really hard. Number seven, take criticism and doubt from others with a grain of salt. And number eight, see it every night.
0: All right, so I like the number three um, because. I think that ties to your 10 year target because I maybe I'll give my personal experience of I have very large visions that I want to accomplish that gives me underlying anxiety of not being there, which I think is very applicable to your 10 year targets and having time to slow down. But how do you balance the, the having such a big vision and like maybe define like how you create that vision and how it's bigger than just a business and, and then how you actually
1: manage that? Well, you said number three, which is no, the bigger the problem you solve in the world, the more successful you will be. be. Is that the one you're asking about? Yep. 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 Perfect. So, um, will you tell me if this answers your question? Because what I'm saying in this discipline, which if, uh, if your listener could burn this into their bones, it'll change you forever. And it's just this basic understanding of the more value you bring to the world, the more you're worth and the more money you'll make. So, simply put, if you cut a lawn, that's worth 25 bucks. So you're worth $25 if that's what you do, cut people's lawns. If you populate Mars, you're worth a trillion dollars. That's worth a trillion dollars. Okay. And so <laughs> yeah. Somewhere on that spectrum of value uh, is where all businesses lie. And if you're sitting there pissed off and scratching your head because you're not making enough money, well, bottom line is you're not creating enough value. You're not solving a big enough problem in the world. And so the bigger the problem you solve, the more value you bring, the more successful you're going to be.
0: Okay. So how do you relate that and combine that with number four, which is get feedback from your customers early and often, and then reconcile, excuse me, um, is so with number four, and I'm going back to that. There was a specific story you were talking about in your book about the crazier everybody thinks you are, the more you're on track to have a very successful (laughs) business. So how do you reconcile with you know you were, I think it was a story of like seven people on the board thought it was crazy and it was sounded like a good idea and 10 people thought it was and it was a really good idea how do you take your vision and your big vision and that might be crazy getting feedback and trying to accomplish that vision without not making money or without having a, a failure of a business. Does that make sense? I don't. Wait,
1: anyway, well, it, it frankly it doesn't, but it does. Okay, it makes sense to me because I speak entrepreneur, and right now you're talking visionary entrepreneur. So what you just literally did is rolled three disciplines into one, and so I'm going to break them apart. And okay. hope this will really yeah, help yeah, yeah. your So the first part is you know there there is a distinct difference between number three and number four because. Number three is about, again, this point I'm making the bigger problem you solve, the more value you have. So you've got to first and foremost understand about the fact that you must create value. And so if you're doing $25 an hour work, you are worth 40 grand a year. Your business is going to make 40 grand a year, 50 grand, that's it. And so it's just a basic philosophy that you have to burn into your bones and your soul. Number four, getting feedback from customers and clients early is completely different, but there's certainly a tie, but it's completely different where that says, you're, you know, so let's pretend you invent a flying car and bring it to market tomorrow. You're going to be a trillionaire doing that right now as well. Obviously there aren't any, so, but we're getting close. So my point there is, you know, that is something that's incredibly valuable. You're going to be successful with that economically. But now what you have to do is you have to constantly get feedback from your customers and your clients. And so the discipline just says, everything that you do and create, make sure the people that pay you money for that thing are giving you feedback. The mistake here is the entrepreneur keeps seeing what their spouse thinks and their mom thinks and their sister thinks. And they're saying, oh, honey, it's it's beautiful. It's great. It's going to be wonderful. That means nothing. And so you got to get feedback constantly from the people that are paying you money. And if that, those people, the way they give you their feedback is by cutting a check. If they're not cutting you a check or they stop cutting you a check, then that's an indicator that there's something wrong with what you've created. And, or assuming they paid for it, get feedback constantly because when it changes and it always changes, the value changes, the competition comes in and kicks your ass. The closer you keep your ear to the ground with the customer or client, you're going to be able to evolve and make that change quickly and continue to increase that value. And then the third thing you're bringing up is criticism and doubt from others where Mm -hmm. this is completely different. And I can see where you see a thread in there is this is the entrepreneur that says they're going to go do this thing And their spouse tells them they're crazy and their dad tells them they're crazy and their friend tells them they're crazy. And so they're listening to all of this horrible feedback because the reality is your listener out there that has an idea, if you go tell a hundred people your idea, 90 of them are going to tell you you're crazy. (laughs) Um, And and so with that, the story you're alluding to is a very successful, well-known entrepreneur that I can't say his name because I can't find the facts that this is about him, but I'm told it is. What he would do is he would assemble this board of 10 really intelligent people, and he would present them with his ideas. And when 7 out of 10 hated it, he knew he had a winner. When 10 out of 10 hated it, he knew it was revolutionary. And so the point here is, is you, the entrepreneur, you got to take that criticism and doubt from others with a grain of salt because most people in your life are going to tell you you're crazy most people in your life are not genetically encoded like you and so take the feedback but take it with a grain of salt and then go with what your gut is telling you at the end of the day
0: i love it i love it because that's i mean that that's that is the mind game that you're prepping people for it's, exactly because <laughs> it the six inches between your ears can potentially be some of the more challenging uh, warfare battles or the the, the battlegrounds and anything else that's out there.
1: And the same and, and for what it's worth, I when I presented my idea for what I wanted to create with EOS to a group, and it's ironic because it was a group of about ten successful entrepreneurs. Everyone but one told me I was crazy. I mean, it's and so all that did was motivated me. So.
0: So uh, on that note, as people are going to take the leap and experience that thing, you know, you know, and there's probably, you know, you're probably going to reference a bunch of the stuff we covered, but like, you know, it's, 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 it's probably all of it. If you're, you're, you're trying to accomplish that vision, take the criticism, criticism for a grain of salt, but also make money, get checks from your clients and just constantly reiterate to make sure that it's something that you can actually succeed at. So that way they're not right. I mean, it's just a, it's a, I don't know. It's a, (laughs) not for the faint of heart. I know that.
1: It it is not. And that's why, you know, so this isn't about, do you have the six essential traits? Because if you do, you're really cool and life's going to be great and everyone else sucks. It's it's just the opposite. Being an entrepreneur is freaking hard. And so I'm trying (laughs) to talk anybody out of this journey that doesn't have them because it's going to be hell. And it is hell for the entrepreneur. I mean, you get your ass kicked every day. You get one win for every 10 losses and then you emerge after 10 years of getting your ass kicked a successful entrepreneur, hopefully you're doing something that you're more likely to fail than succeed at. It's, it's really hard. It's not all it's cracked up to be. It's not this glamorous thing. And so that's why the media makes me crazy because they make it sound so glamorous. Listen, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but you gotta have these traits to really enjoy that freaking craziness.
0: So if you were sitting across from 18-year-old Gino, And obviously you're handing him the book, but what would be like maybe one or two points to the, what would you say to yourself?
1: Well, so that what I would say to myself is something different because you're saying I'm handing me the book. So the good news is I'm (laughs) I'm about to get this resource that has all of the answers and all of the lessons that I needed 18. And so what I, what I would tell myself knowing myself now years later and how long it took me to understand what I'm about to say, I would say, here, read this book, do everything in this book, and in addition to all of that, be yourself, be real, be vulnerable, and fuck what everybody else thinks. And man, if I could have done that at 18, holy shit. And so, you know, I want to say it took me until I was 25 or 30 to get that. I I I almost want to say it took me until last year to get that. So I'm still trying (laughs) to get that. But man, if we can all be real Raw, vulnerable, down to earth, authentic, and not give a shit what anybody thinks, and and just let our freak flags fly. Oh, the world would be a better place. Oh my gosh, I want to live in that world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I am. It just it took took a long, a long time.
0: time. Well, and that's I think, Ken, to your point about talking to your your younger self is you can do that, and you know, I and I just on a little little comment on that. I remember when I was going through the family business and we were going through the shit storm and I just, there was one day Gino, I woke up and I was like, no one knows what they're doing really. <laughs> I was just like, everybody's kind of just, you know, making decisions, hoping shit works. And so I, I think it's, it's, it's I, I don't know. It's near, dear to my heart. This has been, so fun. I'm so appreciative that you came on the show and were able to share the new book. And, and anybody that's, you know, whether you have a business or not, and whether you're, you're about to think about it, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, what is the best way to find all the resources? I know you mentioned it all
1: and they'll all be in the show notes, but maybe you want to give it another run. Yeah, you bet. So the book is called Entrepreneurial Leap. You can buy it at any major retailer. So, you know, most people are buying it on Amazon, but any major retailer has it. You can go to the website, which is e-leap.com, and that's where you will find a free chapter of the book, the free assessment that you can take to see if you have the six essential traits. You can download every tool that I've talked about there. It's a complete resource center. You can sign up for the newsletter, lots of content coming out every week. And so those would be the two resources I would offer. It has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Gino. My pleasure, Ryan. Had a blast as well.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode with Gino. He has so much knowledge and wisdom that he's sharing and I just absolutely support him and his cause and helping the next generation of our society become entrepreneurs and be able to experience the freedom and control and uh, craziness of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And I think the big takeaway that I have is that if you own a business, go back, listen to the book, read the book, whatever the way your preferred method of digesting a, a book is. And reflect on, did you do the right things? Are you sitting where you are because you might've missed a couple steps? Is, is there a gap analysis that you can do so that way you can say, okay, I know how I should have gone about this and why I might be dealing with some of the challenges I'm currently dealing with. And then if you haven't started your business or bought a business yet, and you're wanting to understand how to connect all the dots, it is the manual that explains to you that it's a hard road, it's really tough, but if you have an idea of what it's like to look in to the abyss, and because Gino is shining a light on all the things that are gonna be necessary to be successful, it's absolutely worth your time to read the book. If you're wanting more education on how to grow and sell a business, check out our boot camps. Again, two days. It's based on the five growth and exit principles and two case studies on how to grow the value of your business. And I, with the end in mind, identifying your exit options, and it is life changing because you'll be able to walk out of that boot camp with the knowledge that it takes to connect all the dots and get you what you want. So, with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I will see you next week.